name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. By the way, just that action right there, just this action when you do it with reverence and piety, um, St. Athanasius, St. Cyprian of Carthage, uh, Tertullian, Felix Minucius, many of the early church fathers say, when you make the sign of the cross with reverence and piety, you drive demons away from you. This, that's right here, this is actually an offensive weapon against demons. So let's do it again. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray the perfect prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. It's actually a minor exorcism prayer, the Our Father. Who said that? Pope Benedict XVI, in a homily he gave about 15 years ago, he says the Our Father is a minor exorcism prayer. Notice the way it ends. Deliver us from evil. Who's evil? The Catechism says the evil is Satan, Lucifer, or the devil. So the Our Father is a minor exorcism prayer. When you say that, pray with faith. Demons know when you're afraid. I've been in sessions of exorcism where the possessed person will tell me, that person's afraid. And it weakens the prayers of the priest. An exorcist prayer is as powerful as his team. If, the t if there's people afraid in there and they're not in a state of grace, it weakens the power of the exorcist. And demons know when you pray in fear. So let's pray like men with big baritone voices. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Power and the glory forever, forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That last part, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, that's actually found in a document. It's called the Didache. It's a, the, Didache means the teaching of the twelve. It's, a, it's, a, it's Greek. And that document was written at the time the, the Gospels were being written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, I'm going to try to give you in 60 minutes the best of what I can give you so that you know how to protect yourself against the devil. We have three enemies as Catholic Christians. In this book here is where I'm going to draw most of what I'm going to say. It's called, Lord, Prepare My Hands for Battle. But since I wrote it and I memorized it, I don't need to actually read it. But I will mention some of the page numbers. <clears throat> in here I have a section. Uh, it's if a man doesn't pray specifically for men, yeah, without prayer man becomes a beast. Without prayer man becomes a beast. Something very interesting, when I was a cop, I noticed that over in California, I don't live there no more, I left California for, for Arizona, so I left from, I, went, I left from the People's Republic of California to America, okay? <laughs> But California, the prisons are full. There's more prisoners in California than there probably is citizens in Rhode Island. It, they're packed. And I'll tell you one of the things I've noticed about, about California where I was a cop and where I just dealt with the criminal justice system, the people that get involved in a life of crime in the criminal justice system and you know, the whole life of drugs, they don't have a relationship with God and they don't pray. If you don't pray, you're powerless against demons who are constantly tempting you. Demons attack us two ways, okay, Catholic teaching. There's two ways that they attack. It's like when you go to McDonald's, say, I want some french fries. They'll say, you want them supersized, like large? Nah, just give me some regular ones. Demons attack you either regular or supersized. 
The way demons attack you is called the ordinary activity of a demon temptation, straight temptation, okay? And they do that again. They do, and this is why as, as a Catholic, you have to watch what you, you have to take custody of your eyes and custody of your ears. You can't just be reading everything and watching everything and listening to everything because all those things get, get recorded in your hard drive called the sense memory data. Now, here's how demons access this. This is Catholic teaching, okay, from all the schools of exorcism in the United States and in Rome. What they do is the information, the data that you have in the mind that you take in from reading, music, visuals, whatever, experiences, demons have, what they do is they, they're able to tap into those images that you already have stored. They're stored there. It's just like getting your mouse on the computer, double click, and the icon opens up. Demons are able to double click on the sense memory data that you have in your brain, and they do that by projecting thoughts in there. And what happens, if you have some sin that hasn't been confessed, all of a sudden you're in church, and boom, that image comes up. They're able to open. This is why it's important for Catholics to go to confession often, right? After my first talk, I went to confession. I try to go to confession like once a month with a priest. Even if, even if you don't have mortal sin, what you get from confession is sanctifying grace. You get the grace of God to be able to fight, fight temptation. So demons attack level one, ordinary temptation. Level two, I'm not going to get into that today, I'm going to stay in the level one. Level two is it's called the extraordinary attack of a demon. Extraordinary. What is that? House infestation, they call that in Hollywood haunted houses. Demons will attack a house where a suicide's been committed, a homicide, drugs are sold, house of prostitution, a house where, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a gang, uh, uh, organized crime hangout, gang hangout, guns are being sold, weapons are being sold, dopes being sold. Demons are attracted to places where evil activities are taking place. That's called demonic infestation. Then demons attack people in three ways. You have demonic oppression, physical attacks on the body. You can see St. Paul talks about that in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, Satan, he says, put a thorn in my side. And he asks God, Lord, take this away. And God says, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient. So God permits, in the book of Job, 44 chapters, you can see God permitted physical attacks upon Job. Okay, that's called demonic oppression, physical attacks. A demon can't do anything to us unless God permits it. St. Padre Pio said a demon is like a dog and God is holding him on a chain. And so God allows the demon leeway, a certain leeway to walk. As long as you and I, human, human persons, creating the image and likeness of God, as long as you and I don't walk into that area where God allows the devil to roam like a wild dog in a chain, God is still holding him on a leash. As long as you don't go there, you're not going to get in trouble. And there's three areas that the, the devil has total dominion over, and God permits it for a time. It's the world of narcotics, the world of intoxication, the world of narcotics, that's, that's completely the domain of Satan. I wrote a whole book, Why Even Marijuana Comes From Satan. Uh, if you read my book, you'll see the historical arguments. I get deep into the Bible about uh, this... Uh, What's the goal of, of any drug? Intoxication. What does intoxication do? You lose, it darkens your intellect, which is a gift from God. The highest, the highest gift we have 
when the Bible says we're made in the image and likeness of God, what does that mean? Catholic Church says it means that we have an intellect, God is pure intellect. We have a will, God is pure will. Intoxication, alcohol, whatever it is, what it does, your intellect is darkened and your will is weakened. That's exactly what narcotics does, but that's for another talk. Second way the devil attacks us is called demonic obsession, mental attacks, mental attacks, nightmares, night terrors, constantly bad thoughts, running commentary of evil voices in our mind. that's called demonic obsession. This is acute mental attacks. I got a chapter in my book. On, I go through every Bible verse. So if you want to say, we're, we're, Jesser, he's talking fast. It's on page 79 of my book, Lord, Prepare My Hands for Battle. I go through every Bible verse on how the devil attacks us. And by the way, you should buy this book just because of the cover. Let me tell you a cool story about the cover. This is a crusader. I was speaking, I forget, uh, I forget what state I was at, Ohio or something like that. So there's, it is a men's conference. So there's about 2,000 Catholic men in the arena, and right next to us in another arena were about 2,000 Muslims. They were having a Muslim conference, 2,000 Muslim men, okay? And we're right next to each other, it's just, just a big dividing wall. So in between the breaks, a lot of the Muslim men would walk over to the Catholic side and like look at the books, you know. So this, this one gentleman walked by my table and I had this book there and he stops and he looks at my book and he goes, I don't like that picture. And I, I acted dumb, I acted like, I, I said, oh really, why, why don't you, this is a crusader, okay. I said, why, how come you don't like that picture? And I, he, I knew he was a Muslim because, you know, I saw them coming during the break. And he said, those men stopped us from taking over Europe. He knew the history. And I told him, I said, yeah, I'm the author of this book. That's why I put the picture of the crusader there. <laughs> That's exactly why I put the picture there. If it wasn't for these brave men, we'd all have Qurans right now. We'd be in a false religion, hearing a false message. But thanks be to God to these men that stood up to this opposition, to this heresy called Islam, with its diabolical roots in Muhammad. Third way the demons attack us. I said oppression, physical attacks, obsession, mental attacks. Third level of attack is possession, demonic possession. That's the highest level of attack of a demon. Uh, now that's very rare. Possession is rare, and I'll tell you why it's rare, exorcist us why? Because if, if, now, one more, one unconfessed mortal sin, unrepented mortal sin is enough for somebody to invite a demon and get possessed. So, so the question would be, well, Justin, why aren't more people in society possessed? Because God doesn't permit it. It's only because of God's goodness that he doesn't allow like 90% of Americans to, to be completely possessed and walking around manifesting these diabolical manifestations. It's only because of God's goodness. One mortal sin is all you need to do is to get possessed, unconfessed mortal sin. What is possession? It was written by St. Charles Borromeo, specifically detailed in the Rite of Exorcism in 1614. Uh, Possession would be as uh, the person would manifest. The demon possesses the body, never the soul. So, 
The, temp, the, the soul is where God resides when you're in a state of grace, sanctifying grace. The devil has no access to your soul, none at all. The devil in possession only has access to your body. In possession, the devil enters the body, inhabits the body, and torments the body. Because the devil hates the body, because the body, the human body, reminds him that God became a man, the incarnation. So it's out of hatred for Jesus they attack the body of a human person because we're made in the image and likeness of God. But the devil has no access to our soul at all. This is the sanctuary of God. Now, what is, so what is possession? Possession is, the, or the manifestations of possession, the person will have an aversion to holy objects. A possessed person, if they walk into a church like this, I've seen it happen in different parishes. They'll walk in, they'll stay here a little bit, then they'll run out, and they'll go to the bathroom and throw up. They'll try to stay, but they can't. A possessed person can't be in a holy place. They have an aversion to holy objects. They hate priests. Uh, during, during an exorcism, they'll try to attack the priest. That's why lay people are there as a team, to hold them down. They'll get up and they'll try to attack the priest. They'll try to attack the tabernacle, the crucifix. I've seen it. You have to hold them down. That's, why the, that's what lay people are there for, to protect the priest. Um, the second thing you see in possession is uh, they speak in foreign languages that they've never studied. They've never studied them, they've, and they speak in foreign languages that they've never studied. Third thing in demonic, this is all Catholic, rite of exorcism, St. Charles Borromeo, this is Catholic teaching. The third mark of possession is the person has, is very strong above and beyond their, their weight and size and, and age. It's called preternatural strength, for example, uh, you know. <laughs> This one 14-year-old girl, there was a sofa, and a 14-year-old skinny girl picked up a corner of the sofa with one arm over her head. Not the strongest guy in this church can't do what she just did. The corner of, a, of about a 12-foot sofa picked it up with a 12-year-old skinny girl, 80 pounds, and picked it up over her head. That's impossible. That's impossible for anyone to do. That's a type of strength that a deed is called preternatural strength. And the fourth thing of demonic possession you see is that the person has hidden knowledge. They know certain things that the demon tells them that they shouldn't know. For example, if you're a lay person, I saw it happen, I was two priests in this one session, and the demon told one priest, he says, your prayers, your prayers don't work. And it's, the demon speaks in another voice. They'll use your voice box, but it's another voice. It, it'll, look like, it'll be like a 20-year-old lady, and it sounds like a 50-year-old gruffy man, right out of their voice box, it's another, because it's another entity. In this one case, uh, two priests were there. Uh, the, possess, the demon spoke to the possessed person and told the priest, your prayers have no power. Hey, how's that girl you were with last Friday? The demon knew that that priest was having an affair. It says, your it told him to his face, your prayers have no power. Hey, how's that girl you were with last Friday at Motel So-and-so? So, how do we defend ourselves against this? That's why I wrote this book. <clears throat> the, se the section of this book, this is, which is most pertinent to get to heaven, is my section on how to live in a state of sanctifying grace. What does that mean? It means that we're called to become the best versions of ourselves. How do you do that? I give you 12 points on how to live in a state of sanctifying grace. First of all, what we have to do is this, okay? 
we have to, we have, to have an, a clear understanding of what's right and wrong. A lot of Catholics don't understand what's right and wrong. Case in point, Joe Biden doesn't know what's right and wrong. Ask him about abortion. This is the President of the United States. He doesn't know what the Fifth Commandment says, thou shall not kill. Nancy Pelosi, Dr. Fauci, these guys have doctorates and PhDs and stuff. And, Ask him, what do you think about abortion? Nothing wrong with it. God says, thou shall not kill. Don't be impressed by people's education. You know, what's, you know what I'm impressed with? Wisdom. Wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? God. Where does education come from? Well, you know, Marxist colleges, I guess. You know, some education is good. Some's not that good. Uh, Here's my section on how to live in a state of grace on page 27. I just want to just uh, make some, this, this is the meat of the book. This is how to get to heaven right here, page uh, 28. So what, is, what does it mean to live in a state of grace? Here's what it means. I'll give it to you simple. You're a friend of God. If you die and you're a friend of God, you're on your way to heaven. If you die and you're an enemy of God, you're going to hell. Now, purgatory is another topic. Purgatory is the final rush of sanctification before you enter into the presence of God. Jesus believed in purgatory. He was a Jew. Jesus, and the, you know what the Jews call purgatory? Sheol. When Protestants say, uh, you Catholics made it up, I said, no, we didn't. The Jews did. The Jews believe in purgatory. It's called Sheol. Sheol is called the place of purification in the afterlife where the soul goes and is purified by God before they enter into heaven. Catholics got purgatory from the Jews. And guess what? Who else believed in purgatory? Greeks? Before the Jews? Uh, you, you got uh, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? They all believed in, the, the Greek thinkers, they all believed in purgatory. They call it Hades. Hades. The place in the afterlife where the soul is purified make it, makes atonement for their sins. And the, so this whole thing about purgatory is not a Catholic invention. It goes to, to Jews, and even before that, the pagan Greeks believed that everybody has to be purified before you enter, enter into some presence of the divine. So living in a state of grace means you, you're in the right relationship with God, in friendship with God. You've got to be a friend of God when you die. The Bible says in John 15, 13 to 15, Jesus says, uh, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. If you die and you're a friend of Jesus, you're on your way to heaven. A little bit of purgatory. I call it purgatory summer school. I know I'll be going to summer school. I'm, not, I'm no saint. You know, when I die, there'll be, there, there'll be some summer school, but I know I'm tracking towards heaven. Also, to live in a state of grace means this, is to be free from mortal sin. Be free from mortal sin. That's why I went to confession this, once a month. You want to get, get rid of the mortal sin? And to live in a state of grace means even fighting against the temptations to venial sin. You just can't say, okay, I'm not going to do a big sin, but little sins throughout the day, that's cool, that's cool. No. You even have to resist that. you got to fight against that. Oh, I, I'm watching somebody on TV. Oh, I'm going to drop an F-bomb because I don't like them. Resist that. Resist that. Okay? So, the definition of living in a state of grace means to get to heaven you need grace, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9, it's right in the Bible, for by grace you are saved. What type of grace, grace saves you? Sanctifying grace, what does sanctifying mean? The grace that makes you holy, okay? Sanctifying grace, you're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. What type of grace saves you? The grace that makes you holy. You got to be holy to get into heaven. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Revelation 21, 27, nothing unclean shall enter into heaven. You got to be perfect to enter in heaven. That's where purgatory comes in, because most of us will still will die with imperfections. 
because of the scar tissue that's been left in our soul as a result of sins that have been committed in the past that have already been forgiven. So, again, living in a state of grace is having friendship with God, living in a right relationship with God. Why? Because sanctifying grace comes, here we have, we have an advantage, sanctifying grace comes to the soul through the seven sacraments of the church. The seven sacraments are this, think about this, Jesus Christ's death on Calvary, His death and resurrection, this is the source and summit of eternal life. But from that cross, you know the way Protestants are always singing about the blood of Jesus? They have a lot of songs about the blood of Jesus, and so do we as Catholics. We have a lot of prayers, litanies of the precious blood. Everything, everything in Catholicism derives from the blood of Jesus. Leviticus, I think it's chapter 17, says, the blood, uh, the, the, the life of a man is in his blood. No blood, no life. When you go to a funeral, how come the person inside that coffin's not moving? No blood. No blood, you're a cadaver. No blood, you're a corpse. What does blood carry? It carries the oxygen. That's what blood does. It's like a freeway. It carries oxygen to your brain, to your heart, to all the major components of the body. That's what blood does. It carries oxygen. Take blood out of a body, it's called a corpse. Cadaver. For you and I to get to heaven, you need Jesus' blood. My blood. If, if you're in the hospital, hey, Jess, we're in, the, we're in the same blood. Can you give me blood transfusion? Yeah, you'll probably live for a week or two or a month or six months. You're going to die. You want to get to heaven, you need Jesus' blood transfusion. How do you get that? The sacraments of the church. The sacraments of the church, think about this. Here's, I'm going to paint the visual. The cross of Christ. He was lanced at his side. Blood and water gushed forth. It was, uh, think about seven canals, seven rivers, seven fountains that flow from the cross of Christ. Those seven fountains are the seven sacraments of the church that carries his blood. For you to get to heaven, you got to come in contact with that blood. The recurring sacraments where we can keep on receiving the blood of Jesus is confession and communion. Those are the recurring sacraments. I used to run a boxing gym for 10 years over in East Los Angeles. Um, and I remember people always, young guys, officer man, I want to, you know, I used to run it for the Sheriff's Department for the Youth Athletic League. Uh, I want to be a, a Golden Gloves champion. I want to be a Silver Glo I want to be a national champion. I said, okay, here's what you're going to do. For three months, you're going to come every day. I'm going to teach you how to wrap your hands. After school, see these big mirrors? I said, yeah. I'm going to teach you how to stand like a boxer. I'm going to teach you how to position your hands. And all I want you to do every day for three months, for one hour a day, I want you to throw a thousand left rights. Left right. Left right. Left right. Left right. Left. A thousand. And you come back, and you're going to do that every day, Monday through Friday, for three months. If you do that for three months, I'll train you because I know you've got discipline. If you can't do that, get out of here, don't waste my time. I, 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 I had a lot of guys that were Golden Gloves champions in California. And East LA is like, it's like the boxing capital of the United States where I was at. You had like 40 boxing gyms. I had monsters in my boxing gym. They were very disciplined. I put Bible verses all over the boxing gym. I put a big old crucifix in the boxing gym. I said, you come in here, there's no bad words in here. I said, this is the Lord's boxing gym. 
I would have professional fighters, I won't mention who they are, they would stop by the, the gyms in East LA to get some sparring time before they go to Vegas to fight. And they would, a lot of them would come to my, name, my gym, big names. I'd see these professionals cussing, I would tell the trainers, I said, hey, you know, I know he's the world champion, or the, I said, he can't come in here and be dropping F-bombs. He's a champ, come on, Jess, just relax, relax. I said, no, he can't talk like that around my kids. Uh, I had to throw two or three professional champions, big names out of my gym. Are you throwing me out? Yeah, I'm throwing you out. Get out of here. You know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. I don't care. Okay? This is not the way I operate. You can't, you can't come in here and respect this gym and refrain your mouth, have temperance. I don't want you here. I don't care who you are. Okay? So, as Catholics, God has given us also a left-right. Confession, communion. Confession, communion. Confession, co how long are we supposed to do that? For the rest of our life. Why? We have a devil who, as they say in basketball, you know, one minute left, you're down five points. Come on, team. Full court press. Man to man. Full court press. That's exactly what the devil does to every single one of us. He knows his time is short, Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. His time is short. He's doing a full court press to every single one of us. Most Catholics don't have the tools. They don't know how to fight against them. You know how you fight against them? Right here. Hands up. I tell my boxers, hands up. I'm telling you Catholics, hands up. Hands up. Sacrament of confession, sacrament of communion. The sacrament of confession is so powerful, you know why? You know what the devil fears? Humility. Humility. Don't take any notes, it's all in my book, just buy my book after. <laughs> Don't write in your hand. You know why the devil, why he fears the sacrament? I'm going to blow your mind right, okay? The oldest exorcist in the United States, his name is Monsignor John S.F. He's 95 years old. He's the exorcist of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He was assigned as exorcist at the age of 50. So he's been the exorcist of Scranton, Pennsylvania for 45 years. He teaches at Mundelein Seminary at the Pope Leo XIII Institute of Exorcism. He's been teaching for 40 years. I've heard lectures from him. I've been right there where he lectures. He says this. And I know him. He says, the sacrament of confession is about a hundred times more powerful than the rite of exorcism. Why? Here's why. The rite of exorcism from the book called The Roman Ritual that a priest uses is very powerful. And it's very powerful because the language is very precise. Precision is everything in prayer. The more precise your language is, the more effective it is. Precision is everything. And holiness, James 5.16, the holiness of a person has a lot to do with the, with the merit of their prayer. James 5.16, the prayers of a holy person have much power. The holier you are, the more effective your prayers are. John 9.31 says, God doesn't hear the prayers of a person in mortal sin. John 9.31. If you're an unrepentant, unconfessed mortal sin, you pray God does this. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. So, the rite of exorcism that a priest uses over a possessed person, these are powerful prayers of the church. And the prayers can drive out the demon from the person's body, but the prayers of a priest can't put, can't put sanctifying grace back into the soul, which is the life of God. The only way you get sanctifying grace in your soul 
is through the seven sacraments of the church. This is why it will be very difficult for non-Catholics to get to heaven. Because they don't have sanctifying, they don't have the sacraments. There's no, they, the only other church that has sacraments are the Orthodox, okay? They're like our sister church. They broke off from us in, you know, 1095 AD. That's the only other church that has sacraments. Sacraments puts in the life of God in your soul. Without the, now, some of you are going to say, well, just how are people that don't have the sacraments in their religion, how are they going to get to heaven? It's none of my business. I don't care. I'm not God. It's God's business. How he saves a Muslim or a Jew or a Buddhist, it's God's business. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. John 6, 53 to 56, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. No life. The, the Greek word is zoe. You have no eternal life. He who eats my body and drinks my blood, I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no eternal life. That's what Jesus says. He's either telling the truth or he's a liar, A or B, the principle of non-contradiction. I say he's telling the truth. Jesus can be trusted. If there's one person you can trust on planet Earth, that's Jesus. You can trust him. Everything he says. You can, you can, you can rest your entire life and soul upon what he says. And so as a Catholic, this is where we have an advantage. Uh, again, now, the sacrament of confession, why is it more powerful than an exorcism? An exorcism is simply the prayer of the church over a possessed person. They could drive out the demon, but they can't restore the person back with sanctifying grace. The only way you get sanctifying grace in your soul is the seven sacraments of the church, those seven canals. And remember, the sacraments can only be received once, most of them except com confession and communion. You receive those for the rest of your life, and you should, because we're, because we're always going to be confronted with temptation and sin and evil, and you need sanctifying grace so that you can resist, and so that you can start developing what's called virtue. What's virtue? Holy habits. Virtue is holy habits. We need to start thinking about becoming men of virtue. And the word virtue actually means in Latin, courage, chivalry, courage and chivalry. It takes courage and chivalry to do to have holy habits. Here's one holy habit. Again, how to defend ourselves against demons. Prayer is incredibly important. That's everything in the spiritual life. So what is prayer, okay? <clears throat> St. Clement of Alexandria says prayer is conversation with God. St. Teresa of Avila says prayer is communion with God. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta says prayer is being possessed by God. So that's the goal of prayer, union with God. However, prayer also has another effect. Prayer has an offensive nature to it. Prayer is a weapon. It's an offensive weapon. Here's a theology of prayer in case you've never heard this, okay? And by the way, in this one chapter I've got here where it says, without prayer man becomes a beast. Why, why is that a, a biblical fact? Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day of creation. And the Bible says animals and beasts were also created on the sixth day. So notice. 
the, in the sixth day of creation, on the sixth day, right before God rested on the seventh day, the Sabbath rest, on the six days, God creates Adam and Eve and animals, or as the Bible calls them, beasts. Now, there's a difference between humans and animals. We're different species. Humans have a, what's called a rational soul, which means we have an intellect and a will. We can ponder, reflect, imagine, think, scrutinize, reason. Animals don't have the ability, animals don't have a rational soul. A lion doesn't think like, should I eat that little monkey? Well, I may hurt his feelings and Maybe his daddy and mommy monkey will be very sad. Maybe I shouldn't eat that. They don't have a rational soul. Animals don't reason. They live by, by instinct, by impulse. That's what makes us different. Human beings have the ability to... I mean, you could teach a, a kid to start playing piano and even some Beethoven or something. I don't care what monkey you get, you can't teach them that. They don't have a rational intellect. And also, humans have a will. We have the ability to say yes to God or no to God every day. Animals don't have a will. Animals have instinct. They're compelled by instinct, by their brute animal nature. And so, here's what happens. If a human being, now I'm going to pick on men because this is a men's conference. If a man never enters into a relationship with God, because only a relationship with God gives you custody of the intellect, it gives you the ability now to understand that there, there's a relation. God is my father, I am his son, and now there's a responsibility because he's God. And I'm not, as St. Nicholas de Cusa said, my, 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 my mission and job is to worship God and adore God and teach my family to worship and adore God. A man who doesn't worship God on the seventh day, as it says in the third commandment, thou shalt keep holy the Lord's day. A man who doesn't have a, a practice of worshiping and adoring God and the divine liturgy, here's what happens. They become animals. They become beasts because it's only a relationship with God and understanding who he is and who you are. It tempers the animal. It tempers our fallen nature. It tempers our disordered appetites, our disordered passions, our disordered emotions. Only a relationship with God. Every single person, I can tell you, and I've talked to hundreds of guys that are doing time in prisons. They'll tell you, in prison, a lot of them do find God. And a lot of them have real conversions and do fall in love with Jesus. But they said, man, Jess, if I would have known right now in prison, what, and I knew this 20 years, I wouldn't have made a mess of my life. People end up in prison because here's why, okay? I'm going to break it down. I'm going to try to make St. Thomas Aquinas very easy. St. Thomas says that the soul, remember, we're a body-soul composite, okay, called hylomorphic, and, hylomorphic beings in philosophy. Body, soul, together, perfectly united, made by God. The soul has powers. It's called, St. Thomas calls them the faculties of the soul. What are the powers of the soul? The intellect, number one. 
That's the power of the soul. We have the ability to think and reason, logic, ponder, reflect, the power, intellect. Second power of the soul is called the will. The, the intellect drives the will. This is, these are called the higher faculties of the soul, St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, we have what I would call below the waist. The lower faculties of the soul, St. Thomas Aquinas says, is our carnal appetites, our emotions, our passions, our appetites. You know why our jails are so full? Why there's so many drug addicts and alcoholics and people just living reckless lives? I'll tell you why. Simple. Simple. It's all in my book. Don't write it down. It's by my book. Because most men, they live their life following their passions. So, so why do you do that? Because I feel like it. It feels good. Because, uh, you know, it brings me satisfaction. Versus thinking things through. When you, for, and by the way, this is a classic with liberals. Liberals say, <laughs> they say they believe in science, right? They'll say, well, yeah, to, I, I'm a man today, but I identify today as a woman. Based on what? The intellect? No, based on their feelings. I know I feel like a girl today. The next week, I feel like a man. L listen to the way liberals argue. They argue from passions. They don't argue from intellect. The Catholic man is supposed to, you're supposed, if you want a perfect example of how we're supposed to empower the soul, okay? Think about this. Okay? The soul, the human soul is like a, a charioteer. Think about Ben-Hur riding the, he's on the chariot and he's got two horses. Okay? The horses are called the passions. Okay? The horses are the passions. The ropes or the reins, that's known as our will, our free will. And Ben-Hur riding the chariot that's the intellect. If the intellect, if Ben-Hur is strong, well-formed with the Word of God, he's going to be able to hold those reins very strong. Those two horses are the human emotions. Anger, lust, hatred, sadness. The, the human person has 11 emotions. St. Thomas Aquinas says 11. The horses are the emotions. If, if, if Ben-Hur, the writer, doesn't have a strong mind formed by the Word of God, his will's going to be weak. He's not going to be able to hold those ropes, and the horses are going to take him everywhere. The horses will run him. But if Ben-Hur has a strong intellect formed by the Word of God, his grip is going to be strong. His free will will be strong, strengthened. He will be able to tame the horses. This is the way it works. It's simple. So how do we get to heaven? Knowing that you know this. Number one, if you want to get to heaven, I'll tell you the fastest way to get to heaven. Go to Mass every Sunday for the rest of your life. Third commandment. Not an opinion. Not a suggestion. And receive the Holy Eucharist every Sunday for the rest of your life. John chapter 6, verse 53 to 56. And make sure you do it in a state of grace. Number one. Number two, go to confession at least once a month. We live in a crazy culture that's over-sexualized and pornified. 
and we're constantly being bombarded with images that are profane and vulgar. A Catholic man that really is serious about going to heaven, and I'm serious. So what do I do at night? What am I not? By the way, if you want to see how I pray, it's in my book. I got my morning prayers there, what I've been praying for 20, 25 years, exactly. My midday prayers and my evening prayers. Why? Because I, I, need, I need to put a structure in my life. Structure. You need structure. The Bible says you're supposed to pay, pray three times a day. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. It's right in the Bible. And so, if you want to see how I pray, I have my prayers right here. Morning, afternoon, and evening. That's what the Bible says. I need to put, men need structure. Men need order. God is all about order. Read the book of Genesis. Look at the way God ordered creation. Very specific. Look at the way God ordered the temple of Jerusalem to be built. Look at the detail. The detail. God's into order. Satan is into disorder. Satan's all about disorder. Okay? What is God into? God is into unity. He's into building the body of Christ. God is into making fraternity. What's Satan all about? Division. Division. Isolation. The devil wants you, don't come to church, don't plug into a men's group, live in the corner of your bedroom, playing with yourself in front of the computer, and, and, uh, and, and drinking a six-pack every night. The devil, the devil tries to get men isolated. That's his tactic. If the devil can isolate you from the sacraments and from the body of Christ, he's got you. You cannot fight the devil alone. You can't. That's why Jesus Christ sent out the disciples two by two. Two by two. That's why Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. It's impossible to be a Christian by yourself. And the devil knows it. So he tries to get you, don't go to church. Don't join a men's group. Live in isolation. You don't need those guys. Once you live in isolation, he's got you. That's exactly his tactic. The next thing that the devil uses, the devil wants you to be inconsistent, sporadic. God wants you to be consistent as a Catholic man, a life of prayer, a life of faith, going to Mass every Sunday, receiving the sacraments. You have to put yourself on a Catholic protocol. And as Catholics, we have to also start learning how to pray against the devil. Some people say, oh, only a priest does that. Well, guess what? In case you didn't know this, every single person, every single person here, you have 100% authority to drive out a demon in relation to yourself. 100%. I teach this to guys all the time. I'll give you one case of many. Guy came up to me in the church. He says, hey, Jess, he says, last night, and this guy's a good Catholic man. He goes, I was attacked by a demon in my room. He was very specific, so I knew it was true because, and he goes, you look like you don't believe me. I said, no, I believe you. I've heard this for years. And he goes, if you don't believe me, he says, he, he says, the demon, before he left my room and attacked me, 
He says, he wrapped his fingers, his claws around my forearm, and he squeezed it. He goes, I've never felt a stronger grip in my life. He had long sleeves. He rolled up his sleeves. He had four long fingers, bruises on his forearm. I've never seen a forearm bruise. I've never seen a forearm bruise. This guy had four long fingers wrapped around his forearm. His forearm was bruised all the way around. I've never, seen, I've never seen a forearm bruise like that, and it was distinct four marks. The guy cried to me. He cried, and he was saying, help me. I said, okay. I said, there's no priest right now, so you can't go to confession. Let's just go right to Jesus. I took him right to the altar. There's a tabernacle. I said, let's get on our knees. Let's show some humility before God. Put your hands, hold the tabernacle, and I led him through prayers renunciation prayers. I said, you're going to have to do this. I'm not a priest, but I'm going to walk you through this, so repeat after me. And so I just had him, I said, I renounce, rebuke, and reject the demon of lust, the demon of anger, the demon of some of the sins that he was wrestling with. In Jesus' name, go to the foot of the cross. I took him through prayers of renunciation from my book for about 10 or 15 minutes. He screamed after about five minutes, and he said, something just left me. He turned around and hugged me. He goes, something just left my body right now. I said, what you did, you were, he says, how can that be? We're not priests. I said, the Catholic Church teaches every single person has 100% authority to drive out a demon in relation to yourself. Roman Catholic teaching. How do I know? I've been trained by the best, best exorcist in the United States, Father Chad Ripperger. I'm a student of his. So that's why I know this stuff, because I have all his notes. Okay? I'm just telling you what the top exorcist of the United States teaches in, as a professor of exorcism. And so, Father Ripperger wrote some prayers 10 years ago, him and his team of exorcists, the DeLorean Fathers. I have them on my book on page 117. I pray them every night. The prayers are called, they're called Mary Help of Christians, Exilium Christianorum. It takes five minutes to pray. I pray them every night with my wife before I go to bed. When you pray, here's what happens, especially as the man of the house, when you pray, your prayers descend down your family. So as I'm praying because I'm the head, I'm the priest of my house, I'm the St. Joseph of my house, my prayers affect my sons, my daughters, their spouses, and their children because the grace of God flows from the Father down the house. That's in the Bible, Exodus chapter 20 and Exodus chapter 32. So your faith as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, directly impacts the generations below you. That's in the Bible. Your lack of faith, your, your, a sinful life flows down and your, the, the Bible says this, if you, it says in Exodus chapter 20, it says, the sins of the father go down to the third and fourth generation. And it says, the blessings of the Father go down to the thousandth generation. The grace of God in my family flows from me to my wife Anita and down my family tree. That's the way it works. That's biblical. That's what the Bible teaches. This is why the devil doesn't want men to come to church. Because you know where grace flows to the family? Through the man. You're the Saint Joseph. St. Joseph was the bodyguard of the Holy Family. The devil gets in either through the Father, or the devil is prevented from getting into the family through the Father. The Father is the linchpin in all of this. 
on page 117, the, I recommend everybody start praying these prayers tonight for the rest of your life. Start praying these minor exorcism prayers before you go to bed. When are demons most active at night? Why are demons more active at night? Simple. It reminds them of hell. The Bible says hell is pure darkness. There's absolutely no flicker of light in hell. None. It's complete darkness. And this is why demons are more active in the evening. It's not much different from criminals. Think about cops that work, you know, in the, in the beat 24 hours. Ask any cop, when is there more crime? They'll tell you 7 p.m. to like 2 in the morning. Why? As soon as it gets dark, you know, even the criminals who think like demons oftentimes, they know when to go commit crime when it's dark. This is why it's important for, for you to pray before you go to bed. This is very important to pray before you go to bed. And your prayers, even if your kids don't live with you, they don't have to live with you. When you pray these prayers, they can live in China. Your prayers, because you're the father, you're the patriarch, it flows to your kids wherever they're at, carried by the angels. That's what angels do. Angels take your prayers to God. They carry prayers. This is in the Bible, Tobit chapter 12, Revelation chapter 8. Uh, how much time do I got, Deacon? Let me know. Five minutes, four minutes, what? Six minutes. Six minutes. All right, I just need to know. Good. Uh, here's another thing that's very important. I got a chapter here on how to read the Bible, Lexio Divina. What does Lexio Divina mean? It, it, it shows you a way to read the Bible every day, the readings of the day, but you do it slowly and methodically. St. John Chrysostom, doctor of the church, says that when the devil sees a man, Reading his Bible, the devil cannot be in that home. The devil leaves when he sees the man of the house reading the Bible. Why? Again, it, this is the way God made everything. Everything flows through patriarchy. And, and the, the man is the priest of the home. The man, Jesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 22 Jesus uh, says that uh, he's the head, the church is his bride, the body. In the house, who's the, head, who's the Jesus of the house? You guys. Me. We're the head. We have headship. It's based on the office of headship that you have authority over demons in your house. I've seen fathers, let me give you one case to show you the, the prayers, the powerful prayers of a dad, and they don't even know it. In this one case of exorcism, the kid was possessed, 21-year-old kid, lived a very wretched, drug-filled life, got involved in Satanism, made a big mess of his life. Um, the, the team was there, and the possessed kid walks in, sits down. The team leader, my friend Dan, said, oh, you're not supposed to, you're, you're 30 minutes early, you shouldn't have been here. So my friend Dan calls up the exorcist. He says, Father, where are you? He goes, I'm, I'm stuck in traffic. I'll be there in about 15, 20 minutes. He goes, he's here now. The, the young man's here. What do we do? He says, well, just make sure he's calm. Just have him sit there, give him a glass of water, talk to him and stuff. But don't do anything that's going to agitate him. So, so, he, so Dan told everybody that was there, the team, said, pray in your mind. Shh, don't, don't pray out loud. We don't want to trigger the demon because the priest isn't here. So... The rest of the team, they're sitting around, they're praying in their mind, but demons, when you project your prayers, demons could, they know what you're saying. 
when you, when you project them to God. And so the demons realized that everybody's wrong, praying mentally. So the demons started manifesting in the possessed 21-year-old guy. Started becoming violent, started growling, started, uh, his eyes rolled back. No pupil, no iris, just the whites of his eyes. My friend Dan calls the exorcist, goes, Father, he's starting to manifest right now. Nobody's praying out loud, but he's, I think he could sense the prayers. He says, okay, where's the father at? He goes, his dad's about five feet from me. He goes, get the father and teach the father how to drive out the demon. He goes, okay. He goes, I'll be there. The priest says, I'll be there in about 10 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm real close. So Dan says, there's a Mexican guy, Mr. Garcia, get over here. And Mr. Garcia, like, why, 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 me, 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 why? Get over here. No, 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 please. I'm not a priest. I'm not a priest. <laughs> he says, put your hand over your son's head. No, 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 please, I'm not a priest, you know. It's broke, broke spoken, you know, broke very, spoke very little English. And, uh, and my friend Dan, who's a team leader, led him in a prayer. He said, he goes, repeat after me, that's your son right there. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And he had, raise your hand over your son, and he had, repeat after me. By the natural law given to me by God the Father, and by the divine positive law given to me by God the Father, over this Son, who is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, I order you, evil spirit, whoever you are, to leave my Son right now. I order you, go to the foot of the cross that Jesus Christ may do with him as he wills. I order you to leave him right now. Mother Mary, crush this infernal spirit under your immaculate feet. So my friend Dan, who has been the team leader for years, uh, takes him to basically a prayer over his son. Guess what? His son, the demon liberates, leaves the body and leaves the son. The son completely comes back to normal. His eyes come back. His body, you know, uh, he was like having a, like a grand mal seizure. Uh, he was growling. All that left. The priest runs in. He just got in. He's putting on his soul. He's running in. I'm here. I'm here. Father, I, I told the father to pray for him like you said. Oh, okay, okay. So the priest, the exorcist came over, took out his crucifix, took out his holy water, blessed him, looked at his eyes, blessed him with the crucifix, touching him. Uh, He did exoflation and exorcism, what they'll do, they'll blow, they'll blow, say, Holy Spirit, blow this demon out. It's an old practice that goes back 2,000 years, it's called ex... The priest told Dan, he goes, he's liberated, he's gone, he's gone. Then the, the exorcist, and I can tell you what diocese he's from, he looked at the father, the natural father, the Mexican, he says, congratulations, Mr. Garcia, you just drove out a demon from your son. Mr. Garcia said, how can I? I'm not a priest. What, what did the exorcist tell him? He says, the only persons that could drive out the demon from your son are me, a, a Catholic priest, and the natural father. By natural law, you have the power to drive out a demon from your son. This is why the devil doesn't want men to go to church and know these things that I'm teaching. Because there's a power in being a man of God. There's a power in being a man of faith. And this is why the devil wants to steal your faith. Again, if we only knew what God has given to us as men, we would just die of holy happiness. I'm done. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection 
implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do we come before thee. We stand sinful and sorrowful, O mother of the word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear us and answer us. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Mother of God, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.